the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, by Gromit's Cutlery and Gifts, and Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Firing Line Radio Show. Check us out on our Facebook page, Firing Line Radio Show, or our website, FiringLineRadio.com, where you can get the podcast, you can sign up for all kinds of fun stuff, and get involved in our giveaways. Uh, this last week, we were just out at King City doing the uh, Hogamania. We'll talk about that coming up. We had a great hunt out there, 15 guys, and uh, we did a lot of giveaways at that particular thing. So make sure you want to check it out um, at FiringLineRadio.com. Joining me today, I have a couple of people here in our in our studio. I have Lieutenant Colonel Joe Beerley, retired at USMC. Joe, thank you very much for coming. You're welcome. Joe is part of the Counterterrorism Training and Consulting Group. And also he has Melissa here with him, uh, Melissa IDPA. <laughs> That's her new last name. She shoots IDPA out here at the Prado Olympic Shooting Park. And uh, glad to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Hey, uh, before we get into the meat of this, and I really think this is a very, very important subject. And thank you for coming down and talking about this. But I want to make sure that we comment a little bit about it. And I know that you guys know this. But this last week, the California's Department of Justice Assault Weapon Regulations got thrown out. That's amazing uh, to me. I mean, it's it's like one little bright spot in the California law. Now, what that means is I'll have to go back and rewrite it. But, you know, how are we as firearm owners in California supposed to conform to a law when they haven't finished writing the law and the deadline is coming up here pretty quick? Uh, Joe, you have any comments on that? Well, I mean, in general, um, you know, I... Th- I, I think that the uh, the whole gun uh package of legislation that was put forth back uh, last, I guess, September sometime uh, was uh, ill thought out and uh, certainly makes it uh, hard to be a uh, an honest, uh, you know, law abiding gun owner when even the gun stores can't tell you what the regulations are. You know? <laughs> they don't know. I mean, I'm personally worried about this ammo uh, ban, if you want to call it that, and and how that's going to be implemented. Because as a uh, competitive shooter and as an instructor, I shoot a lot, and you know, I don't want to have to worry about whether I can buy ammunition. Um, so, so the or, whole or thing, even, or even where you can buy ammunition. Yeah. Some of the laws that they're trying to pass this session have to do with restrictions on gun stores that could 
increase the cost to running a gun store to the point where you have fewer of them. And again, it's, it's gun control through attrition. And this is the same legislative body that is passing laws lowering the penalties for using a firearm in commission of a crime. Melissa, is there any common sense in that? No, I was going to bring up the same thing, that here they are, they're handicapping um, law-abiding citizens that want to exercise their Second Amendment rights, and yet, uh, when it comes to criminals, they're giving them every break that there is, um, as you said, in, in committing a crime with a gun, you know, they're they're taking away the enhancements. So I don't understand why we as honest law-abiding citizens are the ones that are getting put in a straitjacket and they're basically letting the criminals have free reign. It has to be by design. They can't be this stupid. <laughs> Honestly, the, the, the level of incompetence is so high that it has to be by design. And here's the thing when it comes to firearm violence. Okay, firearm violence, which is the use of a firearm in the commission of a crime, not self-defense, commission of a crime. If your goal is to reduce that, the only way to do it is to increase the penalties for the misuse of a firearm in the commission of a crime. So it is so egregious that it changes the behavior. And, you know, I've said this for years. If you use a firearm in the commission of a property crime, you should get 20 to 40 years in jail. That's it. You used, you used it for a stick-up, used it for a carjacking. I don't care if you're 16 years old. You get 20 years. Quit doing that. If you use it in the commission of a crime and you hurt somebody, a bodily hurt, like um, shot them or pistol-whipped them or somebody's physically hurt, hey, you get life. And if you kill somebody or commit a rape, you get death penalty. Now, if you have three penalties for any actions with a firearm and they're that egregious, it will stop that behavior. When when criminals are in jail, they tend to be have a lower recidivism rate. It just seems to work out that way. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we are all waiting with bated breath here to find out how many more things are going to get uh, kicked out of the kicked out on the legal system as far as our Second Amendment is concerned. The Peruta case was denied at the Supreme Court. They're mm -hmm. not going not to hear that, and I'm not sure why they didn't pick it up. Had some great dissenting arguments from uh, Justice Thomas and uh, well, Gorsuch, Gorsuch, the mm -hmm. new guy. <laughs> yeah. The new Supreme. So they had some very good arguments. I was pleased to see that with Gorsuch. But that's enough of the headline news. Let's get into why you're here, Lieutenant Colonel, retired Joe Beerley, USMC. 22 years USMC. Correct. Right? Right. 10 right. years you were focused on counterterrorism. That's correct. You did a little bit at the Asian Games, Olympic, Olympic diplomatic security, naval base security. Right. 20 years law enforcement nationwide for training law enforcement, preventing and response to acts of terrorism. You've spoken at many different conferences, trained over 13,000 police officers. That's I Stopped quit counting. I yeah. quit counting at thirteen thousand. Yeah. It's a good round number, right? Lucky number. You own a CTC, which is the Counterterrorism Training and Consulting Company, mm -hmm. and um, you know your stuff. So, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to have you. So, one of the things that I think <clears throat> the cable news networks get wrong, modern media gets wrong, and frankly, the last couple of presidents have gotten wrong, is they have failed to identify what the enemy is that we tend to be fighting. And, and I'm talking about the headline enemy. So I'm going to kick this over to you. One of the things you say is you need to know your enemy. Correct. Can you expound upon that? Yeah. Well, um, 
you know, first of all, the enemy that I, I'm dealing with right now and that most of us are dealing with is the, uh, the radical Islamic uh, enemy, if you want to call it that. Uh, some of that is uh, individually motivated, somebody that uh, radicalizes on the Internet or in a local mosque or something of that nature. And some of it is state-sponsored. Uh, Iran uh, is, is a prime example of that. Um, but, you know, we can read what they tell us uh, that they are going to do. We can read what they say about their motivations. Uh, you know, it, it always cracks me up when a, uh, an incident takes place and the media starts off by saying, uh, you know, we're, we're searching for the motive. The motive's pretty clear. Yeah. You know, I mean, they tell you what the motive is, right? So, you know, they're, well, they're proud of it. They're yeah, not hiding no, it. Oh, they're I, hiding in plain sight. And they want to know if they're mentally disturbed and this and that and the other thing. And all that, all, none of that matters because they, you know, they've already uh, made it quite clear what they're going to do. Uh, and, and they have uh, many jihadi soldiers out there. And we've seen it in Europe. Uh, we've seen it uh, the, the last uh, Ramadan period, which was the, just ended, I think was the uh, busiest in terms of terrorist attacks that we've ever had. Uh, and I, don't, I forget the exact number. I'm sure I have it written down some. Uh, 174 attacks in the last 30 days around the world. Well, how else would you celebrate the uh, writing of the Quran without death and uh, yeah. dismemberment? So, I mean, it, it's sad that, you know, that we have to deal with it like that, but that, that is the threat that we face. And as, uh, you know, a private citizen, you know, walking around, uh, you could get caught up in it, as we have seen here locally in San Bernardino and other places. So, uh, so that's that's the threat, and knowing the enemy is it means more than just recognizing what you hear on the media, but rather spending a little time reading what they say, and understanding that they mean it, you know, that they're not kidding, and that it's not going away. You know, it's interesting the uh, the appeasement that we see in the modern media. Now, number one, as you've seen with what the new scandals with CNN that have finally come to light, you know, these people have been pushing an agenda. The media has, and. The fact that they would willingly turn a blind eye to a group of people who are willingly slaughtering human beings, I don't know, if, are they afraid to call them out by name? Is it a fear factor or are they just such a liberal bias that they think that, you know, it must be uh, America's fault because we voted for Trump, so we have to have, you know, terrorist attacks? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, it's easy. Liberalism I, I, is a mental yeah, disease. I mean, it's, it. it just doesn't, uh, doesn't add up to me. You know, so the, threat, the threat's there. Uh, you know, they could get caught up in it with their wife and kids just like you and I could, you know. So. And they're a target, too. I mean, you know, obviously. I mean, it started uh, back in uh, right after 9-11 with Daniel Pearl being, right. you know, he was a journalist, right, from the Wall Street Journal. And, you know, they, they killed him. And, I mean, they've, they've done it over and over again. So, anyway. I don't understand why. Yeah. Well, everybody doesn't understand why. But it's interesting because it is the common agenda. Something happens and, and they say, well, we have to we have to wait and find out. And uh, they don't release a name. If his name is Bob Jones, they release it that afternoon. If his name is not Bob Jones, but it has many, many more syllables in it, uh, they tend to wait a day or two, maybe three, before they pull that name out. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're covering for something. But we're going to talk about... Terrorist attacks, small scale, large scale, what do you do as an individual when, when hell comes to your town? We'll be right back after this. A message from Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense, 
or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at bullseyesport.com. Because at Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211. Pull! Whether you're a gold medalist or new to the sport of shooting, you'll love Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, where Olympians shoot. Prado's shotgun facility is world-class, offering trap, skeet, and five-stand. And the pistol and rifle ranges are safe and enjoyable shooting environments with professionals there to answer all your questions. Are you an experienced pistol shooter with an itch to take your skills to the next level? Discover the sport of practical shooting at one of the monthly events. Prado hosts ISPC shooting events open to the public every first and third Sunday with Prado Running Gun Club, blending accuracy, power, and speed with challenging multiple moving targets, penalty targets, and obstacles. Prado Olympic Shooting Park is a great place to teach your whole family about the safe and effective use of firearms. Bring the whole family for an exciting day at the shooting range. Call Prado Olympic Shooting Park at 909-597-4518. Online at shootprado.com. 909-597-4518. AM 590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. That's right, folks. It's Boomstick Radio. Check us out here at firinglineradio.com. And because you are a regular listener, you know every week. Our conversation is going to revolve around firearms, hunting, gun rights that are afforded to all Americans under the Second Amendment of the Constitution. Now, our faithful companion in the battle to uphold these rights has been our longtime sponsor, Vince Torres. You know, we're almost going on five years here, folks. Bullseye Sports, Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're not armed for protection or recreation, then Bullseye Sports in Riverside is where you need to go. For small arms, rifles, shotguns, ammo, accessories, and much, much more. After you purchase that firearm, Vince and I highly recommend you attend a certified firearm safety and training course. One that's going to teach you the basic knowledge, skills, attitudes, essential for the safe and efficient use of your firearm. For more information about their certified firearm courses, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside, 951-823-0211. That should be number two on your speed dial by now. Visit their website, bullseyesport.com, for a schedule of classes, because at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo, they believe in safety first. 951-823-0211, or tap the AM590 app and get them on that way. So check them out. Best place to go when you need what you need. Hey, joining me, folks, I have Lieutenant Colonel, retired, Joe Beerley, and I have Melissa, IDPA. That's, that is a real last name. Um, we're talking about counterterrorism. I think it's an important session that we talk about here. We spoke about who the enemy is in the last session. It doesn't tend to be... It doesn't tend to be random. I'm going to say it's less random than you would expect. It seems to be in the terrorist world, 
a specific class between, oh, I don't know, 18 years old and 45 years old, usually single men. And uh, they are working off of a religious ideology. And they're doing flat out boldly what they believe that they're supposed to be doing. And they're doing it with pride and they're doing it with gusto, unfortunately. And these are some of the things that we've seen. We have had large tacos, large scale attacks, especially internationally. And there's been some real doozies. Uh, back um, what, 14 years ago, September 1st, first day of school, yep. Beslan, okay, this was in Russia, or is it Belarus or one Russia? Of yeah. Sorry, yeah. In Beslan, Russia, there was a horrific, horrific event that happened when a group of, group of these armed terrorists, and they're not all Arabs, okay, they all have the same ideology. But they're not all they're not all Arab, so it's not a racial profiling, it's an ideology profiling that you have to watch out for. What did they do in Beslan? Yeah, Beslan uh was a real eye opener for uh a lot of people. Uh this was an attack against a middle school, uh which Children. Uh, children. Uh yes. Uh it caps at grade eleven for the Russians in middle school, but it's down as low as, uh, you know, young kids. So they were small, what we would call kindergarten, first grade. The attack took place on the first day of school, which they call the Day of Knowledge. That's a day that's celebrated in Russia where they give awards to the teachers. You know, they make, it's a, it's a very happy day for the, the parents and kids. They all dress up in their finest regala and all this. And that's the day they chose to make this uh, particular assault. Uh, basically, uh, and I'll keep it simple, but they... There were 49 of the bad guys. They how, were, they were how many bad guys? 49. 49. And they were Chechens, uh, largely. Uh, so they were not Arabs. Uh, they come from a province in Russia, which is, a, you know, trying to, you know, become... Heavily Islamic. But yeah, very, totally, yeah. And they herded all these kids and mothers and children into the gym. They had a, a, over 1,000 hostages when it started. The siege lasted over three days, uh, ultimately broken by uh, elements of a Russian uh, Tier 1 force, counterterrorism force. And I think the final result was some 338 dead, most of which were kids. Uh, all the terrorists, not all of them, most of them were killed. A couple of them did get away, uh, as far as I remember, but uh, just a, a real horrible uh, scenario. And they, they went in, this was the planned attack, obviously, you oh, don't yeah. to, but 49 bad guys, right. okay? Horrible people. Um, I hope that they're very toasty at this point in time. So 49 bad guys, but they had explosives rigged on the doors. They had pressure plates that if somebody was to try and come in, you know, like claymores go off in the crowd of, of their hostages. Yes. They Horrific. Ma- they made it They made it very hard. Uh, they wanted the assault. They right. wanted it. Because that would help them. No negotiations of, of any meaningful nature took place. Uh, you know, the, this, the whole thing was all about forcing the army to assault. And, and then, you know, the consequences were what we saw. Now, one thing I, I would like to point out real quick, though, is that the day before that, there isn't a single person that uh, any of us know that could have told you where Beslan was. You didn't know where it was. No. I didn't know where it was either. Uh, because the attack took place there, that the media rolled in, you know, CNN and the whole international community, and Beslan became a word that everybody knows now, at least everybody that studies this stuff. And the point of that that I'm making here is that that could happen anywhere in this country. As a matter of fact, it's most likely to happen in a place where we don't have large police forces. We don't have LAPD, SWAT, or similar. 
where we have you know some small town where the police force would be overwhelmed totally. Oh, uh, Fort Hood. Well, Fort Hood, yeah, it's army it, base, but yeah, yeah. I mean that that, that was, was a disarmed, disarmed army base. Disarmed as far as the uh, the people that were serving there. Yeah, the MPs, of course, had weapons, but but uh, Beslan, it, it is it it happened because it happened there, and because it was intentionally uh, selected as a, a small, no no one knows about it target. That makes it significant to us. Right. We have to think about it that way. So when you talk to the sheriff in some county in Oklahoma. You have to tell him that, you know, you're as likely a target as the New York City Trade Center. I mean, just because of the best loan thing. And and here's one of the things that my kids were, were at that age, okay, and went to a private school out here. And, and my instructions to them, because we had a long talk about this, was you're not going to listen to your teacher. You're not going to get in the closet. You're not going to get into a gym. You're not going to consolidate in one area. You're going to get out a window and you're going to run like hell. And you both run, and you both run over this fence. And you come back home this direction, and you don't wait for your brother, and you don't wait for your sister. You run. You know, call me on the I'm on my way. But you get out of there because what has been the standard for teachers, I think they're changing it now, but what's been has been the standard for teachers is shelter in place, wait for the gunman, <laughs> disarm all the teachers, disarm everybody in a campus, create a victim-rich environment, and wait. Yeah. Where's the sense in that, Joe? Well, I mean, if you train in, or, or spend any time in Israel, you know, they take exactly the opposite approach. You know, they... I've, uh, had, I've had the, um, well, some, some operators from, from Israel here, and that's exactly... This was right after um, one of the other horrific attacks we've had, and, and they said, absolutely not. You get in as fast as possible, and, you know, you don't let them set up. You don't let them put booby traps in the gymnasium. Yeah. Well, you know, and again, Beslan, there was no way anybody was getting in there fast because there's nobody to get in there. I mean, the local police were unarmed, and there were there was very few of them. They picked the target intentionally that way. But if you look at the Israelis, since they went to a um, a very aggressive approach to the to the entire school scenario, including arming the teachers and what have you, there has not been one attack in Israel against the school. And this is this goes back. I'll think of the name of it uh, later, but uh, to the one attack in that one school up north by the border where, uh, you know, the they held it for a few days and was ultimately taken down by the Israelis. But at any event, um, since that, they changed their policy. Right. And once, once they changed it, they haven't had a single attack on a school. Because, because, frankly, the terrorists aren't stupid, but they are cowards. They will hit where they can cause the most damage without the, le- the least amount of fight. Look at look at Virginia Tech. It's a perfect example. And yeah. they had one terrorist there. And yep. he killed 30-some-odd students. Ishmael's Axe. They don't yeah. even recognize that as yeah. an act of terrorism. And and that was a, a clearly a uh, you know one where the kids really didn't do anything. One or two of them tried to fight back. But for the most part, they just stayed there, and they and they paid the price. You know, so. Hiding under a desk. Yeah. I was just going to mention that my husband's Israeli, and... What they do over there is that they have all the parents that are trained. I mean, everybody goes into the Army anyway. Right. And so um, the parents, you know, just like we have PTA parents here, they all have to take shifts every day. Um, and and they are armed and they're guarding the school. And when they go on field trips, anywhere they go, they always have armed security with them. Now, that makes total sense to me because who has more to lose than a parent at a school, Right. I mean that you talk about a vested interest, yeah. so that that makes a lot of sense. And unfortunately, Israel 
has had to go to that level because they are surrounded on ocean on one side and enemies on three others. So they are totally surrounded. And even in their midst, they have a lot of people who aren't exactly friendly. So they have to deal with that on a daily basis. But but the other commando attacks, Kenya, Mumbai, mm-hmm. uh, these are, we'll pick it up. We have to go to a break right now. But, you know, these are uh, public areas, not even just schools that these happen at. And I want to talk about what happens in that scenario when we come back firing line radio show check us out at firinglineradio.com here with lieutenant colonel joe beerley the uh, president of counterterrorism training and consulting we'll be right back after this are you an expert marksman looking for a clean safe place to shoot or maybe you've never shot a gun but want to learn well the riverside indoor shooting range is the best place to work on your shooting skills no matter what your experience level is with 21,000 square feet of indoor range space 35 shooting lanes and an electronic target retrieval system it means no line breaks and more trigger time the friendly people at riverside indoor shooting range can answer all your questions about firearms training self-defense training firearm rentals gunsmithing archery and more. And for the ladies, the Riverside chapter of The Well-Armed Woman meets there the second Tuesday of each month for women of all experience levels. Looking for a great holiday gift for the shooting enthusiast in your life? During the month of December, get 10% off a full year's membership or 10% off any gift certificate of $40 or more. Riverside Indoor Shooting Range. For directions and info, log on to RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. That's RiversideIndoorShootingRange.com. AM590. The answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, by Gromit's Cutlery and Gifts, and CCW Safe. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! That's right, folks. It's Mulan Labe Saturday. Hey, check it out here, Firing Line Radio. Get our podcasts for free at Firing Line Radio. Dot com. We have uh, some announcements coming up for some special seminars in September. Uh, we're teaming up with uh, uh, Tibisaurus Rex, the guy who does Sniper 101 on YouTube. Uh, we're going to do some special long-range seminars. That'll be the um, 9th and 10th of September. We'll have a lot more coming up on that, but check that out, FiringLineRadio.com. Joining me back here, I have Joe Beerley. Joe Beerley, the president owner of Counterterrorism Training and Consulting, Lieutenant Colonel Retired, USMC. Retired, but still a Marine, I think you said, right? Correct. Yeah, I've heard that once or twice before in my life. Joe, we were just talking about large-scale attacks. Now, Beslan was one thing, mm-hmm. um, but Beslan was a school that was was focused on there's other attacks that have been large scale that have been more in public areas right mumbai uh there was a team you just said off the air there there was 10 of them 10 people involved Mm -hmm. they shut down the entire city there also was a giant mall in kenya correct and these are multi-day attacks right so touch on that if you would yeah well you know just let's take a look at mumbai for a second uh one of the things about that that made it so different was that uh they attacked simultaneously uh, uh, quite a few targets. Them, one of them was a Jewish uh, uh, Chabad house. Yeah, that you know, place for the people to stay, like a hostel. Uh, they attacked the train station. They attacked a hospital. Uh, they attacked a uh, two hotels. Uh, they attacked several restaurants. I mean, it was it was very well planned. They had tremendous surveillance. They spent a year planning it and training for it. Uh, the guys were trained in Pakistan uh, by a group called LET. It's a Pakistani. Uh, I'm sorry. It's a uh, Islamic uh, terrorist group in Pakistan, and um, you know they came by boat 
into Mumbai. Right. They took advantage of all the weaknesses that they that they saw during the surveillance. Every soft spot. Yeah, just the fact that they came by boat. You know, these Indians had had basically tightened the airport security and the border security. However, they have a lot of fishing traffic, a lot of trawlers, a lot of local stuff, and they just blended in with all that and made their way into the city. Uh, they had already been there and looked at the targets, so they knew where to go. Uh, they were dressed for only one purpose, you know, and that's to do the as most damage that they could, you know, and, and uh, again, provoke the assault. It was a martyrdom-type attack. And it, it took, I think, 60 uh, hours before it was finally resolved. Uh, and uh, almost 200 people killed. But they shut down the fourth largest city in the world, shut it down for a period of three or four days. Imagine if that were to happen here, you know, something like that. And it was only 10 guys. It was a small group. So the Kenya attack was a, was a shopping mall, you mm-hmm. know, and it was frequented by Westerners. It was a, a upscale, you know, what we would consider an upscale mall. And, uh, you know, they infiltrated into that and basically uh, shut that down, too, for a period of time. That was ultimately resolved. But um, so any of those attacks, you know, if they if they plan properly, they could they could occur here or anywhere else for that matter. You know, those, I, I characterize those as commando type attacks. You know, the kind of thing where there's some training involved. It's not just somebody that read about it in you know in a magazine and online and decided to uh, go have a you know his act of terrorism for the day. You know, these guys were uh, very dedicated, as as good as any military unit, any normal military unit. So, pretty tough. Sorry, I didn't mean to interject, but just. Um <clears throat> on a more local personal connection with Mumbai, um, the of my um, is affiliated with the synagogue in Mumbai, and that rabbi had called him, and my was actually on the phone pleading with the terrorists to please stop what they were doing. How did he get a hold of the terrorist phone? Uh, no, the the rabbi from Mumbai. Oh, Mumbai while was. he was being victimized, um, he called our. I don't know exactly, but I oh, know my that. God was telling us that he he tried with all his might to try to talk the terrorists out of you know killing and he said it was the strangest vibe that he got on the phone to just speak with someone that was so icy and soulless and obviously he wasn't successful in convincing him but as joe mentioned i mean they're on a mission nothing's going to stop them but i just thought it was kind of interesting that while all this was happening was actually on the phone a local connection to india yeah, uh, unbelievable. And, and you're right. I mean, you look in the eyes of these people, uh, you, you see the same just vacuous stare coming back at you. I mean, I don't know what is their mo- full motivation, but it's not uh, it's not uplifting. So we've seen the bigger commando attacks. We've seen uh, Brussels, the train stations. I mean, all the way back to uh, Spain, 7-7 in France. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've seen those. But... More and more, we're seeing the smaller attacks and, and the the cheap attacks where they can go for $7 over to Vons and get a butcher knife. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's seems to be the current wave that we're seeing. Um, and I would say I, I break those down into basically four categories. You know, one would be the uh, the vehicle attack, which is just running into a crowd of people with a vehicle. Uh, we've seen so that. So obviously we need uh, assault vehicle legislation. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and that we we started seeing that in Israel, and it's migrated into Europe, and we've seen it here too. Uh, there's been yes. a couple instances here on college campuses yes. and everywhere. Yes, and so that's obviously cheap. I mean, you can just use your own car, or you can rent something. 
Uh, and then the knife attack is another very common one now. And again, as you mentioned, you know, you can pick it out of your kitchen drawer. You know, you don't have to spend any, uh, any money and there's very little training required. Uh, basically, they're looking for uh, unarmed people. You know, people that aren't going to fight back. Not only unarmed, but unaware. Unaware. Somebody looking the other direction. Correct. Yeah. And, the and, police officer in Michigan was just stabbed in the neck from behind. Right? Yeah, and he was at an airport where one would think, you know, they would be a little bit more alert, but on the or, other hand. Or dumbed down. Yeah. You know, that's more like it. I mean, that I, I see that as a very uh, very likely attack. And and some of the training that we're doing now is, de- is dedicated toward being able to defend against that particular attack. It's an extreme close-range attack attack as opposed to somebody at the other end of a building you know you've got a guy with his hand on you or right next to you and then and if you're if you are a concealed carry holder how do you get the gun out in time that you don't well you know hopefully you know you're aware and you sort of smell it out or see it or hear it or something your senses are up there but in any event you know that's a whole new level of well, training let's, let's talk about that let's yeah. say that that you have failed the guy's got an arm on you uh and you have you know, it's a little bit difficult when they're in that range mm-hmm. to pull up your shirt and, uh, right. you know, grab grab your firearm and make the shot. So, right. so you must have a different level of response when something when you're in that yeah. area. What what you have to do, you you know, I, I always tr- tell people you have to have a martial art. Shooting is a martial art in my world. It's America's martial art. Okay, and and to me, to me, shooting is a just it's another weapon. You know, to have at your disposal, but. If somebody puts their hands on you or on me, you know, I'm going to try to break that hold and, and create space before I draw the gun. First. First. You have to be f- aware of that. Right. It's your first move. Right. If you try, if you, you know, and I have seen this, I've seen this happen in the real world where guys have struggled to get their firearm out. And in the meantime, then it becomes a battle for the gun. Right. And the winner ends up li- living and the other one doesn't, you know. And so you see this with police officers sometimes where right. a guy will go for their gun. So you have to be able to uh, create space, strike him if possible, you know, uh, cause some some disturbance there, and then back up off the X, all that kind of stuff, and get the gun out, get it into play. But you need you need space. You need space, and you need training to do that. You have to have a good stance. You have to be situationally aware of where you are, obstacles and things. You can use those to help you. Throw a chair, a cup of coffee. You know, I mean, uh, especially to, that McDonald's coffee, that uh, yeah. two million dollar fine coffee. That yeah. one. I mean, back to Virginia Tech. I remember uh, looking at some of the photos from inside the building there, and, and the, some of those kids had coffee on their desk. It was an early morning class, nine o'clock a.m. class, and they all had a cup of coffee. That's a great weapon. I mean, it'll it'll stun them. It'll stop them for a second or two, give you time to, you know, attack him Plus, or create space. You know, if it's a Starbucks and the sugar could actually give them diabetes, I guess if you throw enough of it at them over time. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway. But but anything is a weapon. You've got you know you got Black Rifle Coffee Company uh, metal thermos right there. Now, that would bounce off somebody. Absolutely, head. I'll use whatever I have at hand. I mean the chair, or the desk. It doesn't make any difference. The pen, or whatever. You, you know. know. So let's talk. When we come back, we're on our last section here. Individual stuff. What I really want to get into is, yes, we have armed response. Okay, and and Melissa here is an IDPA shooter. She does a great job on that. But what about an unarmed? And that means what if because we are law-abiding CCW holders, or we live in the terrorist state of Los Angeles County, and we can't have a CCW, what are the non-firearm means of defending yourself, uh, whether it's tools or tactics? And number one, the number one thing, and you said it already, we have failed if they've got our hands on us. 
You have to be aware. Guys, you're at the mall. Number one, I, I don't wear flip-flops ever unless I'm in the shower, right? It, it, you're, you're at the mall. You've got your family. There's a level of responsibility you have for protecting your wife and your kids. And so, uh, you know, I've, I, I've preached this to my kids for years. Hey, men only wear shoes with laces because we might have to run and kick, and, and I don't want my flip-flops coming off on that, right? So it's important that we that we have the right mindset going in, but sometimes you don't have a firearm and you still have to be on the defensive scale. I'm going to talk about that right after this. If you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers and I'm a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. They offer membership plans for concealed carry permit holders, and if members are involved in a use of force incident, CCW Safe provides expert witnesses, investigators, and the best defense attorneys in the U.S. Yearly plans range from $99 for a single membership to $150 for a dual membership, and special plans are available for law enforcement and military. Members are required to have a valid concealed carry permit and must maintain their permit. Visit ccwsafe.com today. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino and Vortex Optics. Vortex, the force of optics. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Hey, folks, welcome back to Firing Line Radio Show. Philip Naiman, check us out on our website, firinglineradio.com. Our podcasts are there. If you don't live in the area, you can always subscribe for free and get our podcasts. So check that out. Um, I, I, in the last session here, we talked about, well, we talked about group events. We talked about individual bad guys, but there are times when you are simply unarmed and you either live in a county that they won't let you have a CCW or you're in a facility that you can't carry one. Maybe you're at a college campus, um, a school, your PTA meeting, or you're on an airplane, um, or you're in a foreign country. Now, we made a couple trips to Europe, and I looked up some of the laws over there, and obviously I can't, can't bring a Glock, even though they're made in Austria. Can't bring a Glock, um, even a knife. Like, I, I have a nice little benchmate I got over from, uh, from, from Grommets here. Can't carry a knife because it locks. And if the blade's over two inches and it locks, it's illegal in most cities of, or countries in Europe. Well, if the blade isn't two inches and it doesn't lock, it's not a useful knife anyway. It's a toenail clipper. So, you know, you can't bring a knife with you, but you can bring some non-lethal options. And, you know, Maglite's a sponsor of the show here. And one of the things that I think is a great a great tool is a very high, high lumen um, flashlight. And this is something you can take onto an airplane. Mm -hmm. You can put it in the front pocket. You know, for me, it's my front left pocket when I'm traveling. And in my front right pocket is the tactical pen, mm -hmm. which is an unbelievable tool, right. defensive tool. Somebody puts an arm on you, uh, you're going to break that grip with that tactical pen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to give them a, a new meaning on why the back of their hand hurts. It, it's an amazing tool. Now, going through TSA... I have one that looks a little bit more ominous than, than uh, the one you brought in here. Yours actually looks like a pen. <laughs> they always say, what is that? 
you know, because it has a little glass breaker on the end. And, you know, do you write your name with it? It's my pen. And they go, okay, fine. Right. The other thing that I used, and I carried it in Europe, and everybody thought it was crazy until they found out all the attacks, was a cold steel city stick. This is a walking stick. Now, the funny thing was I showed up at the airport. I didn't know how I was going to get on the plane with it. But it's a cane. So they let you take canes. So they took the – and when I, I went through TSA, I said, what do you want me to do with this? And he says, just put it on the x-ray. So we x-rayed it. I got it through the other end. Um, I walked onto the plane. I figured I'd have to hand it into the steward at the beginning. They said, I'll oh, just put it in your overhead. It's like, okay. Uh, the other thing was I had my walking stick with me. They thought I was crippled, so they let me board the plane first. Now – <laughs> that only happened on the first flight. When I realized why I was boarding first, I didn't let him do that again. But um, this is a distance tool, okay? So, you know, we're at the Eiffel Tower, uh, the Champs-Élysées, which just had some major right. issues there. You're, we're on the bridges that, that happened in, in England. Um, knife attacks, you need a distance tool, you need something that's going to stand somebody off. And that's why that uh, carbon fiber uh, walking stick with a half pound of aluminum on the end of it is a great tool when you have to be unarmed and you need to protect people mm -hmm. or your wife, family. Dr. Dr. Lieutenant Colonel Joe Beerley, what do you think about that? Well, um, first of all, I never consider myself unarmed. You know, so... Uh, to me, uh, I don't go anywhere unless I'm armed. Now, the only question is, what does armed mean? And, and the, all the tools that you just described uh, are available. So I carry uh, a knife all the time, you know, a, a pocket knife. I have a tactical pen. I have a flashlight. High lumen, you know, aluminum uh, flashlight that I can use as a striking tool. And by the way, uh, I started using that right after 9-11 because all of a sudden I realized I couldn't carry any other weapon on a plane. You used to be able right. to carry a knife on a plane. Right. Uh, not not then, and so we all know that. So, you know, I car began carrying that, and I've been carrying and it and teaching it ever since. Light is a great defensive tool. It is. You know, yes, yeah. you can strike somebody, but that means you have to touch them. But if they're three, four, five feet away and you hit them in the face with 553 lumens, uh, you've got your space now. Exactly. You've got your time. Exactly. The, the one thing I would, the two things I would tell you, or I would tell your listeners are, uh, one is that everything starts from the stance, and the stance is the same for me for every weapon that I use. So whether it's a knife, a gun, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, my stance is the same. It's an athletic stance, knees bent, uh, you know, balanced. I can move either any direction, and I'm I'm not going to get knocked off my feet. You don't want to be on the ground. You know, that's a bad place to be. Uh, and then the other thing is I subscribe to the theory that, you know, uh, Musashi used to promulgate, which is know your sword. You know, if, as they say, carrying a violin no more makes you a musician and carrying a gun makes you a gunfighter. You know, if you don't know how to use it, it doesn't mean anything. I teach and have taught for years the use of the tactical uh, knife, folding knife. And I, I can tell you that uh, I probably taught 500 people uh, in formal classes that way. And I'll bet you no more than 10 or 15 of the 500 knew how to use the knife before the class, yet they carried it every day. Well, so that's very, I mean, uh, you know, it's not... not. I uh, just use mine for opening potato chips. But you know, I can do that pretty good. You you have to know how to use it. You have to train to use it. As it goes back to the training com comments you made earlier. And uh, and you got to visualize the scenarios. And then none of that works if you're sleeping at the switch, you're talking on your phone, and somebody comes up behind you. You know, so you have to be situationally aware. So all that works together yeah. to give you that defense. Now, knife fighting, okay? Mm -hmm. If a guy has a knife, 
and you have a knife, mm-hmm. you're both going to end up bleeding. Correct. So that's that's never usually a an equal fight is a bad fight for you on the defensive side, right? So what's your advice on that? You've got a blade. I've got a blade. We're both going to go home with stitches if we if we live. Well, I mean, the way I teach it is to use the uh, knife to 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 take away the weapon that he has rather than to focus on any any other kind of a cut with him so it's all sla- it's not a stabbing it's a slashing attack and it's aimed at the uh wrist uh forearm uh thumb uh places like that where when you you can disarm him without having to kill him basically and so you know you know that's the way we do it it's called defang the serpent that's the chinese so you, version so you of disarm it. him so you can take your time later Right. Disarm them and then deal with them later. Yeah. <laughs> Disarm them, get on the phone and call the police. And and call, yeah, I'll do all that other good stuff. Um, so one of the other things then, uh, I guess, Melissa, you got involved with this because you took some classes from Joe, uh, learned how to shoot. You've been shooting IDPA since then. And uh, you hadn't, hadn't used a firearm until you took classes with him. So why don't you give us a little bit about that? Okay, I'll try to be brief. Um, basically, my background is coming from a very liberal New York family. Um, my condolences. And, yes. and But for whatever reason, I'd always been curious about just learning how to defend myself with a gun because I feel that, especially for a woman, that's an equalizer. Yes. And I always want to give myself the advantage. So when my girls, I have three daughters, when they, and I also wanted to be able to teach them something as well. So when they got old enough and I had a little bit of free time, my husband and I have our own small business. Um, I told them that was something I wanted to pursue. Uh, fortunately, I did discover Joe, and um, he he taught me everything that I know about shooting. So I went from never touching a gun to having very negative upbringing about it to him pushing me to get a CCW and to being um, a local IDPA shooter. And how do now IDPA? For those of you who don't know, it's International Defensive Pistol Association. It is. We've talked about it before. You go to Prado Olympic Shooting Sports uh, Park on every Saturday. Now they have them, and uh, it is the best practice for a CCW holder. You get six to eight different stages. Uh, everything's different. You practice the draw. You practice from concealment. You have to shoot from cover. From sometimes from cover, sometimes from concealment, um, different scenarios. You have to think your way through the stage, which is why I have so many penalty points. <laughs> I tend to shoot my way through the stage. Um, I wasn't supposed to shoot them first. Well, he shouldn't have been standing there. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's great, great practice, and it's probably helped you quite a bit and probably increased your confidence level in carrying a firearm. I feel very comfortable. Um and with Joe, just learning from Joe, because I still train with him, it's just, it's given me a feeling of empowerment as a woman and a lot of confidence, as you mentioned. So even when I'm out and about uh, at the bank, at a restaurant, I'm mm-hmm. always thinking, always thinking. And the thing is with uh, being a woman, um, if there was some kind of bad guy coming in, I mean, the nice thing is I'd be the last one that they would suspect would right. be armed and i feel i have a little bit of an advantage in that regard as well uh, and, and you know like you said you walk into the bank well we have to make bank deposits so you walk into the bank you, at the door you're looking right you scan the situation before you go in any further because we don't want to be there filling out paperwork all day but i want to thank my special guest here the retired lieutenant colonel joe beerley and uh 
Melissa, thank you guys for coming on here. I think you made some important points. It's about training. It's about keeping your head space in the right spot and uh, being attentive to everything that's going on around you. Joe, thank you for all you've done. Thank you for having me. Melissa, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you. It was a surprise uh, <laughs> guest slot. <laughs> no, I'm glad you're here. Folks, you can get find out more at counterterrortraining.com, counterterrortraining.com. Lieutenant Colonel Joe Beerley, thank you, guys. Have a great 4th of July. Thank you. You too. When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Moppin Financial Advisors, Cutting Edge Bullets for when you care enough to send the very best, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino by Gromit's Cutlery and Gifts, and Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.